The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Hello and welcome to Fearless Fabulous You. I'm your host, Melanie Young, and I am so glad you're joining me on this Empower Hour. Today is October 11th, 2017, and today is officially You Go Girl Day. That's right. There's a day called You Go Girl to help women of all ages get out there and be their true, authentic selves and pursue their passion and purpose, which is what I'm all about on this show. As many of you know, uh, I started this show um, after writing my second book, Fearless, Fabulous You, Lessons on Living Life on Your Terms, because I was tired of living on other people's terms. I had a business. It was successful. I ran it for 20 years. Then I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I had to go through hell and back with that while losing my father to cancer, and at the end of the journey decided that I wanted to stop answering to other people and really bring my own voice to the forefront uh, rather than whispering into other people's ears and telling them what to say, which is what PR does often. And that is how Fearless Fabulous You, now in its fourth season, was born. And I have made it my mission as an advocate for women to help women find their voice and pursue their purpose and passion. So I am all about You Go Girl Day. And I also wrote, because I swear this week, I don't know about you, but the last week and week and two weeks has just been really raised my ire uh, between what's going on in Hollywood with um, the sexual misconduct of media mogul, movie mogul Harvey Weinstein, and and finally, after three decades of what he's been getting away with, women are coming out to speak out, and he is going to be paying the price for that heavily. Uh, It really raised, it just raised my ire. Why why didn't we speak out earlier? What was it that made us not feel we could? Um, then, of course, there's what's going on in Congress with our health care and the fact that now birth control is not going to be covered by insurance by some companies who believe that religious, for religious reasons that women should not have birth control. Of course, we also don't, in many cases, don't have the right to choose what we want to do with our bodies, period. And I, I, I just think that's unforgivable, particularly when Viagra is covered for men. And uh, on the positive side, um, women in Saudi Arabia uh, earn the right to drive. That's wonderful, but that's sad that it took this long um, for them to earn the right to drive. I mean, women risk their lives in Saudi Arabia to earn the right to drive a car. And they only were given the right to vote in, I think, 2013. So um, while people say women have advanced in so many areas, we're still we're still fighting the way. And many women are angry. They're angry um, about this uh, because 
the political climate is not being as fair to them. The work environment could be better. We're still earning less money than men. I could go on and on. But the reality is why I'm bringing this up for this show. It's because today we're going to talk about not getting angry and complaining, but getting angry and getting active. Because if you really want to see change happen, if you really want to see change happen, you need to be the change you want to see. So I invited a guest. Um, I get lots of pitches, and this one really stood out because it, 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 I, I'm in my badass mood right now. In fact, I read a blog on being a badass this week at MelanieYoung.com. I'm feeling very badass because I want things to be good, and I think it's good to be badass. So my guest today is going to talk about how women in this country can get active and consider running for a civic or political office. Because really, if you want to see the change happen, you got to take it into the areas where change is being made, which is legislation. Her name is Erin Velarde. She has an incredibly impressive resume. Um, currently, she's founder and CEO and executive director of Vote, Run, Lead a national nonprofit organization that leverages technology and trains to accelerate women in civic and political leadership. So basically, they help nurture and uh, accelerate women to step into these roles. Often they're elected, and a lot of women don't know how to get started, so we're going to address this. Erin um, worked with the White House Project, where she established many um, political training programs for women to help women re get ready for public office. She also has served as a leadership development consultant for many clients, including the Yahoo Business and Human Rights Division and Athena Center for Leadership Studies at Barnard College at Columbia University here in New York. She has worked with the U.S. Department of State, reaching women leaders in dozens of international cities. And she has um, serves on the advisory boards of Girl Meets World, the New American Leaders Project, and Democracy.com. She also, this is cool, she was an executive producer about a documentary on the late Ann Richards of Texas, who was just a badass governor of that state. And she was an amazing woman. So we're going to have a very lively dialogue on this topic. And I've had a couple of questions from you. If you have any more, um, you can um, email them to Melanie at MelanieYoung.com or join our chat room at W4WN Radio. Erin Velarde, welcome to Fearless Fabulous You. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is a big topic. I've, I, I've never, you know, you know, will the Women's March kind of balloon this um, last March, and um, it, it's going. I want to. I don't know if you saw this, Erin. Um, I received a press release yesterday from Cosmopolitan magazine. It mm -hmm. says they did a new survey. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen this? I'll just tell you what it says. It says. Um, that uh, that you know, there's been an 80 percent increase in applications, um, according to it's basically after Donald Trump's election. Okay, more women are considering running for office. The question is, did the results of the 2016 election make you more or less likely to consider running for office? Okay, uh, women ages 18 to 34. 65, this is interesting, 65% said it had no impact, 65, 16% said I'm more likely to run, 18% said I'm less likely to run, and 1% said no answer, that's women. Men, 18 to, 80, 18 to 34, said 63, it had no impact, 
25% said they're more likely to run, 10% I'm less likely to run, and 3% no answer. Now, that's interesting because there was a pretty large surge in um, inquiries about running for office. Um, more than another report, um, Emily's List, a group that helps select pro-choice Democratic women to office, reported in August more than 16,000 people, women, 16,000 women had expressed interest in running since Trump won. Uh, what what have you seen? We have seen um, close to 9,000 women who have signed up to learn how to run for office. So I'm not sure. They, it looks like they polled about 3,000 folks. I'm not sure who <laughs> of those 3,000 folks they polled because we have, um, and we are counting more and more every day, we're about to reach 9,000 women who have taken action. So they've either taken a web class for us, they've signed up to come to one of our trainings, they've been trained, and we've trained close to 3,000 women just this year alone. So we are working our butts off over here at Vote Run Lead to make sure that we are converting those women into actual candidates. Now, um, we have seen it, over 11,000 folks signed up for our email list um, following the election. There has been a tremendous surge, I know, across the organizations that are doing this. So I'm you know, 3,000 randomly selected adults is great. I don't know how many of them are women, um, but it's, I've seen nothing but it's time to get involved. Now, somebody might say it's time to get involved but not running for office. Um, mm-hmm. And we, because we are offering really clear how-tos and training programs that are step-by-step on how to get started, how to run, how to run a successful campaign, um, we're probably not seeing the same kind of thing. And, and next week we have a little sneak peek, we have our own poll coming out with um, Glamour Magazine. So, Mm -hmm. excuse me, oh my gosh, with Marie Claire Magazine. Oh gosh, I'm going to be in trouble. (laughs) Marie Claire, I know. With Marie Marie Claire, Claire, who I love, who's doing fantastic work. Everybody's doing much more of um, of the political coverage. But, you know, we polled young women, millennials, who are very much interested in running for office, and they want to run for everything from, you know, city council to president of the United States. Well, um, it's interesting that you, you've got a survey coming out with Marie Claire, which means this is a seriously big topic among younger women. Now, this Cosmopolitan survey, I'm just reading through again, it, it was 18 to 34, so we're talking about the M word, millennials. Um, and, and, and the shocking survey was they were less likely to run. And the survey was 3,813 randomly selected adults. Um, and 15% of women overall said they're less likely to consider running because of the election, while 10% said they were more likely to consider running. So it'll be interesting to see what the Marie Claire poll shows with um, Vote Run Lead um, that you're releasing um, on this and encouraging that you've already, um, you know, have 9,000 women who've taken action. Let's take a step backward, um, Aaron. Uh, first of all, what I'd like to get to the court because I think a lot of women are like, mm, is it really worth it? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Am, am I going to be, you know, am I going to be like an open book? I think I tear my life apart. You know, and let's start with all the cans. I call it cantorexia. What inspired you? And at what age do you become, would you call yourself an advocate or an activist, first of all? Um, I think all of those things. I'm having fun using the word um, feminist patriot. has been a fun um, (laughs) title I've been giving myself lately uh, because I think we're doing this work because we love and care about our country and we want to see it continue to be sort of the leader and the model for the rest of the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And so 
it was actually the eighth grade. Um, my sister had been sending home, she's about 10 years older than I am. She had been sending me home Ms. Magazine. She went off to a women's college. She was the first in our family to go to college and, you know, took her women's studies 101 course. And that was it. Next thing you know, I was getting Ms. Magazine in my um, mailbox and really was a window into how men and women and boys and girls were just treated vastly differently in the world um, and began to really be in tune with what that was about. I was, you know, kind of a tomboy. I was home with my three brothers. Um, I was the fourth out of five of us. And so I didn't feel a tremendous difference, you know, except that I had to kind of get out of my dress and into my play clothes at every holiday. But Mm -hmm. um, other than the outfit change, you know, I had a pretty um, pretty equal uh, upbringing. And my mom really, you know, shares that she spent a lot of her energy making sure that my sister and I um, had that kind of opportunity. Um, and so in the, um, in the seventh grade, eighth grade, I ended up creating a petition. I was in the back of the bus coming into school and saw a sign that said um, around the holiday season, it said goodwill towards men. And there was my little face sort of pressed up against the glass like, this is it. You know, not only was it a public school and this was a religious um, posting, but it was also not having goodwill towards me. So I got all the kids on the bus the next day to sign a petition, got my loose leaf paper filled with names, and brought it into the principal's office. Uh, the following day, he brought us all into the office and had the dictionary open to the definition of man, and um, that the definition of man was human. And before I could even begin to debunk that, um, the other young students that he had brought in the office with me just all took it. And... The, the young um, girls and boys both said, you know, that's ridiculous. We want the sign changed. And it was really the first time in my life where I saw what it was like to give someone else a platform. I remember having this, my memory of it is actually watching those other students. Um, I can't even tell you what his face was like because I remember kind of being shocked that I didn't need to be the one to say it, that these other students um, were out there. And that was a, that was a really good feeling. We got that holiday sign changed. I think it said something like, happy holidays to each and every one of us. There's something very, <laughs> very broad and lovely. <laughs> Sounds but like it was, Oliver Twist. It was really that case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, um, it's interesting, Erin, because I kind of experienced my epiphanies at eighth grade, too, um, in, in many ways. I... Um, I really was outspoken. I didn't rally the troops, but I, I, I certainly believe and tell people that my desire to have a voice and uh, have a platform on everything I do from uh, women to wine, which is my other life. I brought, I demonstrated a wine opening class in eighth grade to my fellow students as my public speaking project, even though I wasn't allowed to open the wine. But everything I did really started in eighth grade. Um, I, I became my own voice and active and, and did not want to shut up. In fact, one of the teachers told me to stop being so bossy, which I actually thought was a, an honor. Um, so I want to bring that up because uh, in homage to my high school, girls preparatory school, um, the theme was you go, let's go girls. But it shows how important it is to foster, for anyone listening, uh, mothers, to foster this uh, independent thinking in your young daughters at an early age and in a a very formative age, such as adolescence, where it could, you know, the pendulum can swing either way in terms of self-confidence, right? Right. That's right. And I think it's so critical to be giving women and, and girls, giving the girls at that critical time, those clear messages. There is a survey from the Girl Scouts, I think it's a few years old, but it does talk about 
the drop in leadership ambition for girls during that time period and how critical it is to make sure that the messages of you can do it are there because so many other messages are coming at them at a critical time of change in their lives that are, you know, focusing a lot on their bodies. Um, mm-hmm. And you're learning that, you know, brains and body are um, kind of these two different things and value two different ways in the world. Yeah, it's a, it's a critical time. I, I, I was contemplating in my blog this week saying stop focusing on having a nice ass and focus on being a badass. Um, and that's I, what I think <laughs> about this Cosmos survey. It's like, can we stop focusing on, it's actually not, I just, I just took a peek at it. It's 18% okay. are less likely to run, 16% are more likely to run. Now, with a margin of error, that basically means it's the same. And so what they're doing is putting a headline out, like girls have no ambition, women don't want to run. This is, this is bull. It's baloney. The truth is that we have as much ambition as men, except we're socialized to think that we don't. We aren't reading a newspaper with our girls. We aren't asking them about social issues. You know, it's the kind of thing that we're socializing them out of political ambition and out of power. And God, if there's anything in the news this week, it's like we need women to have power because mm-hmm. you can't even get, you know, it, it, it's happening in Hollywood. It's happening in politics. And so I, this, this survey, you're hearing a little tone in my voice because it, it angers me. If that headline is clickbait because what actually is happening is that women are rising to power. And for some reason, we want to have this narrative in the world that we just don't want it. And that is ridiculous. I mean, I've been everywhere in this country and all over the world. And no matter where I am, women are trying to figure out how to create a new pathway, start a new business, navigate a different way to leadership, figure out how to make stuff happen while this flood of, you know, oh, you're not really qualified or, oh, you know, you don't really need or want to have power. And it's just, it's sort of an untruth that we really need to start debunking this myth. And this headline has really got me teed off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, teed off is, you know, I've learned getting angry is the best fuel for getting active and making a difference. Um, And, 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 and that's why today, this this week I looked at my CPA and I was like, I looked at him straight in the eye because I was angry about something. I said, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be a badass right now. So just listen up. And he just looked at me. Yep. He, he he did everything I asked, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you got to have the confidence to do that. And and here's something I want to discuss. You know, this kind of what makes my blood boil. You know, we've got this. You know, somebody posted a photo of like an all male meeting of Congress congressional leaders. You know, said these are the people who are deciding about our birth control choices and, and our ability to have coverage. You know, and I get mad because I still feel that women are marginalized in a way that's not right. Um, and I even think it's done in, 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 at, at, at the worst levels, the congressional levels. I mean, we, we, we've seen it in Hollywood. I mean, what's happened out there, I got to tell you, it's, ha- it's not just him. There's others. Right. He's just been caught. It's despicable. Um, Congress, you know, the nasty woman, when, when, when the, um, I forgot who was Senator, whatever his name is, Senator blow up his ass, said, he called Elizabeth Warren a nasty woman. No, that was Donald Trump. He called Hillary Clinton a nasty woman. He he tried to mm-hmm. shut up Elizabeth. It's all it's all you know marginalizing women. What can we do? You know, it angers me when they call somebody an angry woman. They called Michelle Obama an angry woman. Even if you if you if you have a, a what we call just a, a straight face, what can we do? Um, because it's hard um, when you're running mm. for office and and or, or leading, and people start do, you know saying stupid things like that. Like you know, look at her hair, look at her face. How can we right. come? How can we right. make that go away? Well, how we can deal with it right now. I mean, how we make that go away is that we get 
you know, hundreds and thousands of us actually in positions of power. And the faster we can do that, and I really do believe that we have a window of time between now and 2020 when we will have mm-hmm. be celebrating 100 years of women having the right to vote. Um, this is a unique window where politics is up on its head, and it's time now to sort of get in there. Um, positional power is going to do that. But I do think there's, there's this idea of being angry. We don't know what to do as a society with an angry woman. We look at the mayor of San Juan with her nasty T-shirt on, and you smirk. Yeah. So the, the tips we give is, one, particularly around sexism and some of these stupid comments, there's a research out, it's a, a couple years old, called Name It, Change It. You have to actually address it. If you're on the campaign trail, and I think this is also for a workplace, you have to address it right away. You have to say to your colleague, you have to say to your opponent, that's inappropriate, that's sexism, I won't stand for it for me, and I won't stand it for my female constituents and the young women and girls that are growing up in our community. And you hit him back with that. The other way to do it is to sort of flip the script and to say, you too look really wonderful in those shoes today, John. <laughs> and to have that sort of humor and to get to practice that a little bit because some of us are often taken back by the shock of what someone said. To be mm-hmm. able to though, quickly flip the script. Humor is a good way to diffuse some of that while also letting, you know, getting a little good jab in there. Um, you know, I think there's symbolism is a third way, right? And we saw that with the San Juan mayor, having that nasty shirt, having the, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg t-shirt on, right? There's some symbolism that we can, mm-hmm. um, you know, the stickers and the pins of showing who we are, um, you know, or, you know, you see so many folks with their Facebook pages doing the overlays of, you know, I stand with the LGBTQ community, right? And so mm-hmm. making sure that we are kind of engaging in some of that symbolism, we, it's, it's not the only thing we should be doing, but it's one of the three tips that we're giving folks to make sure you're hitting back and letting folks know that that's inappropriate. You won't stand mm-hmm. for it for yourself or for others. Using humor to get your, your jab in to show the ridiculousness mm-hmm. of it. And what are the, some of the symbols that you're going to carry with you? These are such great points. And, and finally, as, as Michelle Obama said, go high when others go low. Yeah. I mean, I think I cried high. angry tears after. I don't think I was sad. I think also personally, I've developed in this the last six, ten months, how do I deal with my own personal anger? Because mm-hmm. what happens is I get mad and my eyes start to swell. And so I think these were, I think a lot of us have cried angry tears. So mm-hmm. we've, I'm really trying to think critically about what do we do with some of the energy? Like, is it a kickboxing class? <laughs> like, what do I need to do to sort of channel that differently? Because that's also something around, you know, socializing. We're not, we don't really teach women how to get mad and what to and do I think, I think, you know, I men think, are, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right Go about ahead. that. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I'll tell you how I channel it because I think everybody has to channel it in a way that works for them that's constructive. Mm-hmm. The, way not to, the way not to do it, ladies, the way not to do it is to start bitching and ranting on social media because it only sets off a nasty thread that you don't want to get bogged down in. So as you said, kickboxing, you know, if it's, if it's a physical activity, go out and kick a, bu- kick a bag. If it's cooking, right. go cook something, make some is cookies. journaling? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I write. When I get angry, uh, last night I was, I, I, you know, I've been venting. I, I must have written three blogs. I was up to, t- I've, I've been up to 2 a.m. I've been so wired this week and it's not the coffee. It's just what's going on in the world. I write. I mean, I, I created the show just to get things. I wrote a book called Getting Things Off My Chest, Aaron, and that's how I do it. So you do it mm-hmm. in your own constructive way. But when you're running for office, you have to be prepared for below the belt kicks. Mm-hmm. And, and and really what you're doing with um, Vote Run Lead is helping. I'd like to ask 
for the the woman who lives not in a major metropolitan city, maybe she lives in a small town or a rural area, and she's of course probably juggling two jobs or families, whatever. How does she get started um, in the local community? That's a great question, and and we have um, been doing rural work and um, in smaller towns for some time. And at our upcoming national conference, we're actually for the first time doing a whole track for rural women leaders because it really is critical. Um, there's a lot of opportunity and access in the more major areas. Um, but the first thing, and, and to do a sort of fully shameless plug, is we have something called the 90-Day Challenge. And it's been written by a local elected official who um, is currently a state representative uh, on our team. And it's 30 actions you can take in 90 days to accelerate your political capital, to get you talking and having conversations with folks in your community, and to hopefully help you figure out what seat you should run for if it's of interest to you. And, you know, it's all sorts of things from following journalists and reporters on Twitter, which is nice and easy, you can do that in one day, to challenging yourself to actually having 15 coffees. Now, if you have six coffees in three months, I'll be happy, right? Because what you're doing is <laughs> you're talking about your ambition. Um, your politics is IRL. It is in real life. Um, you know, we can dabble online. We have tons of courses for women to take to sort of see what's happening, what are some of the barriers, what are some of the opportunities. But the 90-day challenge is a commitment to yourself that you can say, you know what, I want to do this. Let me take a look at what's here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some of these steps. You know, you can do four or five of the steps in a single day. Um, and so other ones are actually about relationship building. Um, and we do have specific resources, too, on, on how to run for office. But I think our best thing is to pop a, you know, earbud in your ear and listen to something called This is How You Run for Office. The first hour is a panel of women who did win in the November election from very diverse communities across the country. And the second hour, actually it's a little under two, is about the basic steps you can take to um, begin to understand what, what are your motivations. That's the number one thing, sort of knowing your why. What do you care about? Mm -hmm. Figuring out what, what you care about. So these are the top three things that are important to you. Where do they get legislated? Does, you know, do you care about sort of downtown revitalization? Do you want to be on the city council helping to do that? Do you care about the infrastructure of your community, your roads, particularly in rural areas? We encourage women to think about county commissions and county boards because billions of dollars are coming through, and you get to allocate those resources. Um, you care about schools. That happens at the state and local level, so there's lots of places to get an education policy through. But really understanding what motivates you, what you care about, and where that issue that you love actually gets legislated and, and gets policy out. The next step is beginning to talk to those people. Your representatives are exactly that. They, you, they work for you. Ask them for a coffee. You know, and if there's a really busy woman on your council, say, I'm going to bring you a coffee. I'm going to, mm -hmm. you know, go grab a latte from Starbucks. I'm going to be at your office at 1030. I'll wait for an hour. You know, these, you've got to get yourself in front of these folks. But most of the time, we know that local elected officials, particularly in rural communities, love to see their constituents and would love to mm -hmm. hear from them on a more engaged basis and not just the kind of petitions and online, you know, stuff that's really go face to face. 
I think it's such a great point. You know, I live in a, um, and then we're going to take a really short break. I live in a rural community. I said, Aaron, I was living in Manhattan. I came from Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is a, now a booming little city. My mother's yes, an activist. My mother's a very big activist and a volunteer level. So I, I've learned how to be active from a philanthropic standpoint, which makes you a leader in a very special way. I moved to the big city um, and became a leader in an industry by way of building my business. And then I moved to the rural area north of Manhattan and I haven't been very active at all and I'm actually now Aaron thinking about it because you've got to you know starting local is a great way to get started and and um, as I learned in the last election it really matters where you vote particularly rural communities <laughs> where you know it's it you know I knew what I knew how people were voting in Manhattan but they were voting differently in my rural community and every vote mattered and voting and voting Right. Voting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Making sure folks are registered and, you know, our campaigns are run differently in small towns. You are not going to go door knocking, you know, in a city. You're going to go into an apartment building and you're going to probably get 100 doors in a day. In rural communities and smaller towns where you might be knocking on the door of someone who used to be your babysitter, you know, 20 (laughs) years ago. So we get to spend different amount of time when we're uh, sort of quote unquote at the doors. You know, we've got to make sure that we... Um, we know who the power players are in some of the smaller communities. Some of the guys that have been in here for 20 years, go take mm-hmm. a meeting with them, even though they're not going to endorse you. Say, you know, exactly. I know you're supporting Jim. I think he's a great guy, but I wanted to come as a courtesy because you're a leader in this community. Um, and actually, when we were actually in South Carolina, when Nikki Haley was not yet governor, she told mm-hmm. this fantastic story about how she did that with her opponent. Um, and it was his brother or family member. And the wow. guy said, I can't endorse you, but I'm writing you a check anyway. And she walked out of there with a campaign contribution. Oh, so my God, that's so know, awesome. And look where she is now. It's oh that, I look where she is now, right? Um, and so it's that kind of um, confidence in yourself. And what's, what, that's one of the things we do really well at Vote Run Lead. Trust yourself. Your public speaking will come through because you're telling a true story about your mm-hmm. experience. You're telling a true story about what you believe to be the best way to make it happen. And the first thing to do in the the sort of confidence game is, I do believe I'm the best person for this job. And so you're saying to the voters, I'm going to do the best possible job I can for you. I'm the right person. And they're, because you're essentially asking them for their trust, their trust in a vote, their trust in a donation, or a trust in giving their time that you're going to be a steward of, you know, what's best for the community. Exactly. We're going to take a short break. Very short, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Fearless Fabulous You. I'm your host, Melanie Young, and we're talking with Aaron Velarde, the founder and CEO uh, and executive director of Vote Run Lead. That's voterunlead.org. We'll be right back. I get what I get Ladies, it ain't easy being independent Question, how'd you like this knowledge that I brought? Bragging on that cash that he gave you as a front If you're gonna brag, make sure it's your money you front Depend on no one else to give you what you want on my feet. And we're back I'm Melody 
Young. You're listening to Fearless Fabulous You on W4WN, the Women for Women Network. Uh, as you probably know, all of my podcasts are permanently living on iHeart.com and the free iHeart app. If you go to iHeart.com, Fearless Fabulous You, you can just click on episodes and you'll hear all of my episodes for all my seasons, including this one, which we're doing today with Erin Velarde, uh, founder, CEO, and executive director of Vote Run Lead, um, which is live. Uh, I had a lot of questions um, from uh, a lot of my fans and followers before I, uh, when I announced Erin coming on. And, you know, we're talking about how you... Uh, can become active in civic or political office and the steps you can take to get there because when you become active, you activate change. And we all want to see better change to improve women and their rights and where they stand in power. Um, Erin, talk to us about, you've got a training coming up on November 17th to 19th. Now, this show is evergreen, so somebody listening to it next January will not know about this. But how often does Vote Run Lead run? Um, Let's talk about the different programs that Vote Run Lead does uh, online and also uh, workshops and intensives. Awesome. That's great. Our our upcoming um, or the national event, which is three days, happens once a year, and this is November 17, 18, 19 in Minneapolis, um, and it does have that specific rural track. It also has the agenda split for women who do know what they're running for, you know, have an idea of when they want to run and what they're running for, and for women who, you know, are interested in running but not quite sure what they want to run for or what year they'll do it. So it does have that, um, that split, if you will, around readiness. So that's something that we're really keen on. You know, some people raise their hand and go, I want to run, but I have no idea what to run for. That happened a lot after the election. Um, while others are, you know, a little more, um, it'll take a couple more steps before they make the decision. They want to get some learning about what it actually takes, what are some of the time commitments. But on our website, voterunlead.org, you'll find 60-plus resources on how to run for office. And our training methodology, we call it run as you are because we believe that you have the skills, the talents, the experiences to run for office. We just want to show you how to do it within a political climate, how to market the skills you have to voters in different audiences. Um, and so there's web classes, there's worksheets that can help you come discover what your policies may be, how to rock your political debate, your campaign finance plan, what office should I run for is a very popular one, and thinking through what do different offices do, and what are the time requirements. Uh, we have a lot of very busy women on our list. Mm-hmm. who want to know, you know, do I have to be in the legislature for three months or, you know, do I want to be on my city council meetings, which are frequently Monday nights every four weeks. Um, and so the different roles and responsibilities of local government all across the country. Um, but our in-person trainings happen, I would say, about every six weeks. We are popped up somewhere. Um, this year we ran a tour in about 10 other cities. Next year we will be probably a shorter timeline than that, probably about every four weeks we will be um, doing a one-day training all around the country. We are hitting the road next year um, and bringing the Run As You Are tour to hopefully between 15 and 20 cities. Um, so that's really exciting. I would definitely sign up for our list. We email about once a week, and mm-hmm. we, you know, our Facebook group has always have resources that we're sharing. You know, this one is your top tips for public speaking. Um, you know, this one might be how to change your resume to be more marketable uh, civically, or what's your first political step? What does it mean to just you know, volunteer on a campaign? Um, and how do you talk to your, your partner, your husband, about running for office? And how do you talk to your media family about what would be a change for them if you were to be a public servant? 
These are such great points because I think, you know, I don't think anybody truly knows and understands the amount of time it takes to run for office, much less serve in office. Right? And how do you Uh, fit it into your schedule? You know, most of our folks have full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. They are serving at a community level. So let's take the city council. A big part of the city council is reading which most people don't know because you get a big policy book where you get the sort of the week's, you know, information. And you do. You spend probably half your day on Sunday or during the weekend, you know, getting do, going through these materials. And the nice thing about women is we actually read the material. <laughs> yeah, men so, don't read, do they? Men don't read. Erin, yeah. I'm going to be very honest with you. I host two radio shows, and what you're describing sounds like how I prep for my radio show. Sunday's my reading day, and I, I'll look over at my husband and I go, do you want to read up on the guests coming in? Here's all your reading material. And he just shows up to the party and manages to knock it out of the ballpark. But I, I just dive deep into my research and everything, and women are just like that. And I think that's... Yeah, being you know, prepared is a good quality. You know, yeah. <laughs> being prepared is a good quality. Yeah. <laughs> also, gotta, I mean, part of that is we don't get to fail as frequently as men. You know, it's a bigger risk for us, um, and hopefully that will change, but there's some truth to that. So, you show up on Monday night, your city council meeting is going to go late. You know, so you need a babysitter, or you need to figure out if you have a daycare facility within the council, or, you know, or can they come and sit with you? Um, all these things are, are legal, you know, so you can bring your kids with you if need be. But, you know, you have that sort of 5 to 10 o'clock at night where you'll be with the community. That'll be public. A couple of times during that month, you're probably meeting with your committee. Emails are coming in probably on a daily basis to your city council wow. email. Um, and so you're, you know, you want to be checking that once a day. You want to have, you know, usually there's someone within a city council to do constituent services. And then you're showing up at events. You know, you're being a public person. So, you know, you can't go to, you know, shop right in your pajamas anymore, but you can show right. up in your yoga pants. You know, you don't have to completely, you know, be a, a, a robot. Folks don't like that either. So you, but you're, you know, you're kind of on the clock in the sense that people will come up to you at the grocery store and say, hey, you know, I, t- I tuned in Monday night. A lot of us have public access channels in our community, and I'm really concerned about this. And you have to have an answer. Do you take 15 minutes right there? Or do you say, here's my card. I'm really, I really want to talk to you. Let's make an appointment so I can give you the right attention you deserve. And almost every woman that we have put through, I can't even think of one who hasn't said this, but they say it's worth it. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard. Like, every job is hard. Raising kids is hard. Moving into mm-hmm. a new home is hard. Starting mm-hmm. over is hard. Mm-hmm. But you, with politics and with government, you actually get to positively affect people's lives. You get to say, these were the choices that were on the table, and we made the best choice, and I did it with you in mind. Um, and we opened yes. the daycare center, our parks into our community. We put bike lanes in. You know, we funded the school meals to be healthier. We no longer count ketchup as a vegetable. You know, it's that. You really, at the end of the day, um, I kind of think it, I don't have kids, but I've heard a couple of women say, it's like being a mother. It's a bit of a thankless job. No one, is, you know, you should get a ribbon at the end of every day, but you're not, right? You just know, though, that you're, putting better things into the world than, than when you started that morning. Exactly. I think another way to get, you know, it, because it is a leap to go into public office is, as you've kind of said, and I'll underscore, you are a public figure, so you are always on the job. I mean, when you step out in public, you are on the job. Even, you know, how you look and how you comport yourself and how you supposed to be comporting yourself on social media, although we don't have really good examples of that in in our leaders right now. Another way I would think, (laughs) another way um, to maybe think about 
tapping your toe in the water, Erin. Um, I've done one and not the other because I'm not a mother, but serving on a PTA or a school mm-hmm. council. Uh, I've known some, uh, I, I, we have a cousin, she like ran the school board. You know, she was former big wig at Pepsi and like she ran the school board in her town in Connecticut or New York and she just like took it then, you know, she's like hardcore. Mm-hmm. That's one way. And another way is to serve on a board. I've served on yeah. a number of boards, yeah. nonprofits, and the time commitment is not the same as public office, but the discipline is, and it's a volunteer right. role, so you already can be prepared right. for the amount of time it takes, because these are not well-paying, nothing in public office is going to, you're not going to make money, you're going to make things happen and make a difference. Especially the county so you, commissions. The county commissions are the only ones with full-time salaries, so check those out. <laughs> oh, really? That's interesting, because you know, we yeah, have a, major, a lot of states. Well, you know, it's funny, in New Paltz, um, little New Paltz where I am, we had this mayor, Jason West, and he was like the youngest mayor, right? And he earned nothing, and he, he, he was the one that started the same-sex marriages that made, you know, he, he, he legalized that in New Paltz, and it made headlines and everything. He's like a house painter in his other life. He's not the mayor anymore, but he's a house painter. He came over to give me an estimate. Yeah. Everybody has different jobs, in other words. This is, you, you may still need to have a day job and do this as well until you can work it out and therefore it is a family decision it really is yeah, because yeah. everybody's and, you a- know you are public but you don't want to be not yourself i mean people have right. elected you because you do know how to you know you raise five kids in this community or you have mm-hmm. kids in the public schools you know they 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 want to see this they don't want to see a robot you know i think that's right. the other thing so you don't have to feel like you have to be your full polished self you do from five to nine when you're sitting on that city council meeting for sure right and when you're mm-hmm. doing the ribbon cuttings and the ceremonial stuff but, you know, people want to know that they can have access to you, that you're a real person, and that you're experiencing what they're experiencing in the community, too. Like, hey, was your garbage picked up? You know, that's right. what I want to talk about. So you can be in your yoga pants talking about the garbage pickup. It doesn't, you don't have to be, um, you are on, but you don't have to be perfect. And I don't want to conflate those two things because that, right. too, I think, um, you know, that and feeling like you don't have the answer to the other, all the, all the answers all the time. And we get that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't feel like I have all these answers. Of course you don't. You are not a human dictionary. You're not Google. So you, mm-hmm. what you tell that person, though, is I am going to work hard to find the answer to that. I'm going to listen to you and five other people that are also concerned about this, and I'm going to make an informed decision. And 30 years of research actually said that this is what women do well. We don't go in, you know, saying, okay, yeah, I'll, just, I'll vote this way. We do our homework. We talk to outside constituents. We talk to folks who voted for us and against us. We get those perspectives, and then we make the decision. And that's actually how government should work. And mm-hmm. so that's what we're bringing to the table. We shouldn't feel like, oh, I, I don't know about um, farming. Well, let's learn. Get a group. Yeah, let's get a group of farmers together. Let's get a you know group of people who are you know taking that stuff to market. What are their systems like? and understand that experience in your community and then make the decision. And, and, and ask people, don't rely on just researching it online. If you want to learn about something, right. you know, you, you don't, you don't, I learned this running a public relations agency, Erin, you don't have to be an expert on your client's business. They're hiring you to be the expert in your business, but you have to learn about their business and be That's able right. to communicate it effectively. And they're the experts. So you become a mini expert in, in, in a different kind of way, um, top lining the platform. Um, in House of Representatives, we have about Five minutes left. Um, House of Representatives right now, uh, made up of 80% men. Women only hold 83 out of the 435 seats. And there's only four current only four current U.S. governors who are women? Really? Pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. I Ooh, don't think we've ever gotten to 10 either. Ooh. Yeah, that's pretty. 
50 states, and in the Senate, only 21 seats are held by women out of 100. Only four women have been appointed in the Supreme Court as Supreme Court justices in the 200-year history. So we got a long way to go, and we still didn't manage to elect a women president. So, um, what can be? What can we do better next time around? Yeah, uh, I think yeah. That, um, oh, sorry. This yeah. is for the and women I mean, who don't want to run. Yeah. This is the system stuff is really critical. The gerrymandering and the way these congressional districts are drawn, where we where we're keeping Republicans in one district and Democrats in the other, is really critical. And it's something that often gets missed in the movement towards women's representation. It's not just about training thousands of women to run. Like that's my job and a couple others and we're working really hard on that. Mm-hmm. It's also about the container, the sort of ecosystem that is our democracy, because we have these districts that look like snakes in order to keep someone in power. And then once you're an incumbent and once you're elected, it's just too darn hard to beat an incumbent. The parties don't want to shake it up. You know, the more time someone's in, the more power they get. So pay attention to the Supreme Court case that's happening right now on gerrymandering. It's coming out of Wisconsin. Look at your local community. Are there commissions? Um, I think there will be a lot more commissions popping up on redistricting. And there's a great group that I'm an advisor for, and they're a partner of Vote Run Leave called Representation 2020. That has all sorts of systems change and structural reforms. Um, and I'm sorry I, I cut you off, uh, Melanie, but I just, I'm so passionate about this other side of the coin, which is our democracy is set up in a way that doesn't allow for gender diversity. Well, you know, that, that was actually what I was going to lead to, two points. Two point. One, um, I know we've got, in, in my town, Gardner, we have an election coming up, and many people are more apathetic about voting when it's not a presidential election, and that should not be the case. Vote every time there's an election. Every that's the time. point I want to that, – that's number one, because these are the things that are impacted, like districts. And two, question for you, how were – the districts, who makes that decision how the districts are laid out? What, at what level does that fall? It, it usually falls at the state legislature level. Okay. Uh, though mm-hmm. some states have independent commissions and some states, I think, have like a governor's commission. But mm-hmm. typically it falls with the state legislatures. So that's something to keep an eye on. And um, unfortunately, whatever party is in power, and Democrats do it and Republicans do it, you know, so you want to be mindful of the party in power to make sure that they're not doing something disadvantageous to, you know, essentially a voter who might have a different point of view than them. Um, and there's a lot more coming out of a community called civic tech. Um, and civic tech is sort of a new phrase, but it, it's these technologists who are helping to, um, you know, we now have maps and all of this digital stuff that can actually um, – create models for us to show us what really fair districts look like. Um, And, you know, another place to to get this information is to show up at your city council meetings. These are open to the public. Just sit in the back for your first couple and just sort of see what's going on and, you know, follow along or watch it on your public access channel. You know, it's, yes, it's boring on the day-to-day, but the cumulative effect of local politics to state politics to federal politics is, you know, what what sort of guides our everyday lives. So, um, Go be bored at the city council meeting, and then you know, <laughs> believe me, when you see who's on your city council, and I, no, sometimes they get in trouble for saying this, but <laughs> I send so many women to go sit in their city councils, and they call me, and they're like, "Oh, I can do that. Oh, I can totally do that." <laughs> you should see who's on it. So I think there's definitely, you know, this mystification that it, it's, you know, it's not for you, and then when you go there, you're like, "Oh, I got this." Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I went to uh, a hearing about a big 
controversial development happening in my little town and it was heated people were like it was there was a lot of energy in the room i mean and and i left there grateful that i went because i feel more informed about the issue and um you know more more supportive of it and sympathetic to the people doing it even though i don't know if it's going to happen but 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 if you don't go and if you don't listen or you say it's not my problem it is your problem because it can come back to you in ways that you may not be expecting like increased taxes Mm-hmm. and other legislation uh, at the local level that you're you're suddenly like, well, when did that take place? Well, it took place when you were not paying attention. Yep. Yeah. So I think that, you know, that's, you know, what you're doing at Vote One Lead is really important. Um, I hope that that 18 to 34 group is not as apathetic, but, you know, we are talking about millennials who are notoriously apathetic about a lot of things. I hope that that is not the case um, because they are the next generation and actually they can now run for office because I think you have to be, what's the age you run for office? What's the minimum age? 18. I mean, a a couple of places you can run while you're 17 as long as you're 18 when you'll be in office. So that's, you know. You, you, you go into college, you can run for office, and you can be as old That's as right. you want. I mean, look, look at some of our presidents who've been, you know, up right. there in age. So age is not a deterrent, and gender should not be either. Erin, I want to thank you so much for joining me on Fearless, Fabulous You. For anyone who is um, wants to learn more, uh, the website, again, is www.voterunlead.com. Org. There's a lot of good information. You can follow um, also on social media. I've already liked you. Um, I like what you're doing. Um, for those of you who want to follow me, I'm Melanie Young at MelanieYoung.com. Check out my books, Getting Things Off My Chest, A Survivor's Guide to Staying Fearless and Fabulous in the Face of Breast Cancer. This is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but it should be a 365 awareness and also a major issue that we need to always have top of mind. And Fearless, Fabulous You, Lessons on Living Life on Your Terms, which you should do every day of your life, starting with taking action. If you see something you don't believe in, take a stand and make it better. Um, again, Erin, thank you for joining thank me. Thank you so much, Melanie. It's, you're, you're a dynamo. Congratulations on everything you're doing. And for all of you who join me, thank you for joining me and have a fabulous week. Do what I want, if I want to live, I worked hard and sacrificed.